We're going to get started in just a minute. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. This is what I use for my podcast, and it is fantastic. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. another episode of the March or Die podcast. So grateful to have you with me today, and it has been uh, several weeks since the last episode, and I appreciate you jumping on today with the holidays and all the craziness in our world. We needed a break, and so we took one, but we're back on and looking forward to continuing these conversations with you every week. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for doing that. Go ahead and subscribe if you have not yet to the channel. And if you have already subscribed, hit the notification bell. You can leave me a comment and share the content out. That would be great. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, again, thank you for doing that. And that is probably the most accessible way to get this content. And you can find uh, this, of course, everywhere you receive podcasts. It's just about everywhere. And thankful for the opportunity to do that. If you have not yet, however, gone over to the YouTube channel, please uh, check that out. It's at Jeremy Stalnecker. You can go to YouTube, search Jeremy Stalnecker, and that's it. You'll find it and subscribe there, other content as well. And I'm doing my best to upload as much as possible. And there are some other media sites and sources that uh, I post content as well, but you can find everything there. Or over on my website, you can find out just about everything about me and all of the places to follow me. If you're interested in that, jeremystalnecker.com. I know, super original. I couldn't think of anything fancy, so I just use my name, jeremystalnecker.com, and uh, would love to share that over there with you. This podcast, and there are a couple of the podcasts that I'm involved in, a couple of other uh, podcasts that I'm involved in, but this podcast, the March or Die podcast, specifically deals with the question, how can I continue to move forward when the world around me seems to be falling apart? How can I continue to move forward when the world around me seems to be falling apart? And we'll conclude with this statement, but here it is right up front. When the world seems to be falling apart, you only have two choices. You can march, putting one foot in front of the other, getting to a place where you can better affect the fight, or you can die. Now that death hopefully is not physical, but in the spiritual and the relational and the emotional sense, so many people, uh, although they're breathing, they're existing, in a real sense, they're dead. And that's what we are trying to avoid. We know that the battles of life come, the overwhelming conflicts come. Uh, we're all in the middle of one right now, whether you are left or right politically, whether you think that lockdowns are a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, I would imagine if you're listening to this podcast, we're probably pretty aligned on these things. Uh, 
regardless, as we look at the world around us, there are so many things that are confusing, they're overwhelming, and if we allow them to, can prevent us from moving forward. And we need to do our very best to understand the battle that we're in and to realize it's not complicated. (laughs) We might need tools, techniques, other people in our lives. We need to understand how to move forward, but that's the only choice we have, the choice, the decision to move forward. And that's what we talk about every week. Again, there are uh, a number of episodes of this podcast. If this is the first one that you're listening to, go back and listen to the others. I define some of these terms. We talk about all these things every week, and I trust that they will be, those episodes will be a help to you as well. Today, I want to talk about uh, something more philosophical, if you will. Uh, this is not as practical, perhaps, as, you know, you need to reach out to a friend, you need to do this, or you need to do that when you're struggling. But I want to talk about something that all of us must understand. If we're fighting the fights that we are uh, certainly fighting, and I understand the global stuff going on, but there are real fights in our homes and in our communities and in our workplaces, things that we're dealing with emotionally or spiritually so often in our relationships. We're dealing with these battles. And if we're going to be engaged in battle, then there's something we have to understand. It's something that I've talked about before. I want to talk about it again. The topic before us today is that of courage. Courage. In fact, I would say it this way, and this is the title of this episode, what does it mean to be a person of courage? A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a group of men, and we talked about being men of courage, men of valor, and what that looks like. Uh, I've taken some of that, and I've spent so much time thinking about it. I wanted to share that with you. What does it mean to be a person of courage? We talk about courage in these, these abstract terms, anything that seems to be unusual or quote-unquote heroic. We call that courageous. We say that person who did that is courageous. And certainly there are courageous acts. There are those unusual heroic things that people do. But we need to demystify that a little bit. Because if we're going to move forward in in, in an important way, in a strategic way, in an intentional way, we have to do it as people of courage. Courage is required. Now, I know there are those that may listen to this and others who would consume uh, some type of media like this one would, would listen to this because they're just interested in maybe the larger conversation that perhaps believe that to say we're in a war, we're in a battle, we use these terms, is hyperbole. I come from a military background, and so that's the reason I'm using these terms. I want to say this up front. Make no mistake that we are in a battle. Um, Immanuel Kant, in 1795, he wrote a piece of literature entitled Perpetual Peace, a Philosophical Sketch. (laughs) Uh, What a great name. In 1795, you didn't need a catchy name. You just needed a name, a title. And Immanuel Kant said this in Perpetual Peace, a Philosophical Sketch. He made this statement. He said, The state of peace among men living side by side is not the natural state. Let me say that again. The state of peace among men living side by side is not the natural state. He went on, the natural state is one of war. And certainly if we look at the history of our world, we would see that it is a history of warfare. 
But the Bible speaks to this as well. It tells us that we are in a spiritual war. The book of Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you'd like to go and take a look at that, you can. I won't quote it all now, but it talks about how we must be prepared for the battle. We must be ready for the battle and engaged in the spiritual warfare. We're fighting a spiritual fight. We know this to be true. Unfortunately, as good as life can be, there are times when life is very, very difficult. It's extremely overwhelming. We find ourselves in these battles. And in order to be victorious in the battle, we need to be people of courage. People who stand up and do the hard thing when no one else will. People who move forward when it would be easier to simply fall back. We must be people of courage. I'll probably talk more about this in the coming days, so I don't want to spend a lot of time building it up or getting your buy-in here. Just just stick with me. <laughs> There's a story that goes along with this that's found also in the Bible in the Old Testament. The book of Second uh, Samuel Again, if you're familiar with Scripture, it's a story that talks about what are called mighty men. Second Samuel talks about the reign of King David, and David was a warrior, but David also had warriors that worked for him. He had an army that he led. But amongst the thousands in his army, there were 32 who were called the mighty men of valor. These mighty men did incredible acts. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, again, if you want to go check that out later, you can find in verses 8 through 12, one of these mighty men, his name was Shammah. Shammah was an interesting character. The the story is this. There was a field where beans were being grown. The people who lived there were the farmers they had planted, and they were harvesting to take care of their own needs, to meet the needs of their community. But there was an enemy force, the Philistines. These were the bad guys in the life of David. The Philistines were there, and they decided they wanted the field for themselves. As they came to take the field, the people who actually owned the field ran away. But this guy, Shammah, he said, that's not good enough for me. It wasn't his field. He didn't own it. I don't know that he would have benefited from it. But he knew that it did not belong to the Philistines, and he decided to stay there and fight. And that's exactly what he did. It's a crazy story. He stood there by himself in the field. He defeated the garrison of the Philistines, this large military unit. He defeated them single-handedly because it needed to be done. He was a mighty man. He was a man of great courage. As I think about that story, I see the characteristics of a person of courage. And I want to give those to you here. What is a person of courage? Well, first of all, a person of courage understands the definition of courage. I've put this in other places. I've talked about this on this podcast in the past. But what is a person of courage? What does it mean to be courageous? What does courage defined actually look like? Here it is. This is my definition. Courage is an act taken alone with full knowledge that the consequences of that act may be detrimental to one's physical well-being, livelihood, or acceptance by family and peers for a purpose bigger than themselves. Courage is defined so many different ways in our world, but here's what courage is. It's deciding to do, deciding to do alone. That is, with no one else around me, (laughs) I'm going to do this even if others don't join me. I'm deciding to stand on my own two feet to do this thing, this thing that's bigger than me. 
Certainly it may benefit me, but it's not about me. It's bigger than me. And in doing so, there may be damage to my own life, to my relationships, to my future. But I'm deciding, knowing full well what the potential consequences are, that I'm still going to do this thing because it's bigger than me. So often we define courage as something almost accidental or incidental. We stumble into a courageous act. We respond to something because we have no other choice. And although there may be an element of courage in that, courage so often is accompanied with the opportunity to run away, to quit, to give up, to not even get involved. Courage isn't something you do because you have no other options. Courage is something born out in a person who says, that's not okay. That's what we see in Shammah. Uh, as he looked at that field and saw the farmers running away and the army coming to take it, he said, that's not okay. And I'm going to do something about it. Even though I might lose friends and I might lose my life, it doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do. A person of courage understands the definition of courage. But then, and this is great, a person of courage follows the right model. What's interesting about historically, people of courage, courageous people, we look to and say that was a courageous act, that was a courageous thing they did. People who are courageous are following others who are also courageous. This is the birds of a feather kind of idea. Shama stood there on his own. He was alone in that field. I just mentioned that the definition of courage involves standing by yourself if no one else joins you. But Shammah was only one of 32 mighty men. In fact, if you look at that passage in 2 Samuel, he's not the first one listed. There's another guy who's listed as the chief of the mighty men, the head of the mighty men, the main guy. Shammah was one guy who's courageous, following the example of the courageous acts of others. Who are you following? Who are you learning from? Who are you allowing to speak into your life, even from a distance? I love reading books because people can speak into your lives, even if you don't know them. With technology, we can watch people speak and listen to what they believe and learn from them, even if we may not have access to them. We need to have real people in our lives that we can have real conversations with, people that have done heroic things, courageous things, led families when it wasn't easy, uh, worked jobs that were difficult, doing things that were bigger than themselves. Courageous people follow the right model. There are others whom they can follow. Who are you surrounding yourself with? It's an important question. Who are you following? Uh, a courageous person also does this. I love this one. A courageous person is someone who elevates truth. Who elevates truth. The ground, again, did not belong to the Philistines, and Shammah knew it. That was a truth. And I don't know everything that drove him to defending that little piece of ground, but I do know this. He elevated truth. He defended truth, and that's why he stood there by himself. A man of courage, a person of courage, a woman of courage must be obsessed with the truth. Because truth points the way forward in a sea of confusion.
A person of courage must be obsessed with the truth because truth points the way forward in a sea of confusion. There is so much confusion in our world. There's confusion in relationships. There's confusion in your workplace. There's confusion in life (laughs) because there's so many people saying things, so much going on. It's truth, real truth that guides you forward in the midst of that confusion. A person of courage must be obsessed with truth. There's two aspects to truth, and this is important to understand as well. There's the aspect of absolute truth. Absolute truth is that eternal truth that's tied to God. It's the truth that we find in the Bible. And again, I know not everyone listening to this may be a person of faith, but there is Creator God. And His spoken word is revealed to us through scriptures, the Bible. That is absolute truth. It will never change because He will never change. He's always been. He will always be. It's absolute truth. It's that truth that the Bible says will set a person free. It's eternal. It doesn't change. We must be obsessed with that truth. The eternal truth that doesn't change. So much in our world and so much in our lives is subjective. We allow this thing or that thing to determine, to dictate to us what truth is. We talk about our truth as opposed to someone else's truth. But there is, overarching all of it, absolute truth. That's God's truth. We need to be obsessed with that, letting nothing steal or undermine, shade the absolute truth of God. That's one acts, uh, one aspect. But I will say this, and, and this is something that in faith circles often is not accepted, I think, that there is subjective truth. There is. There is your truth. <laughs> now, here's what I mean by that. I, I don't mean that your truth is different than absolute truth or eternal truth, but your truth is that thing which is true for you. It's your situation. It's the circumstance you live in. It, it's The truth for now, based on what you're experiencing in your life. We all have things that are true for us. My family situation is framed by the fact that I have four children of different ages and different life stages. So there are some things that are true for me that may not be true for someone who doesn't have kids or doesn't have kids in the same life stages that I have. What's true for a single person may not necessarily be true for a married person. What's true for a person working in a company may not be true for a freelancer. There are truths that are subjective. They're tied to what we do, to our world, to who we are. But here's the thing. Subjective truth is not eternal, but it must always reflect absolute truth. It reflects the fact that there is absolute truth, and it does not violate that truth. You don't get to decide which parts of absolute truth apply to your situation. The various circumstances in your life that may dictate your circumstance of truth, as opposed to my circumstance of truth, cannot violate the absolute truth given to us by God. It reflects those truths. Your circumstances do not make what the Bible calls wrong right. Your situation does not make what the Bible says is not okay, okay. Your circumstance, your situation, your truth must reflect the absolute or eternal truth of God. This is where we get it wrong sometimes. We say, well, because of my situation, I know what the Bible says, but this is my truth. That's not what we're talking about. We must always fall, first of all, within the 
umbrella, under the umbrella of absolute truth, what God says to be true. And then with that as the backdrop, address our own truth, the situation that we're living through in our own lives because of our own circumstance. Subjective truth reflects absolute truth. And listen to this. It's supported by fact rather than feeling or opinion. (laughs) It's supported by fact rather than feeling or opinion. Requires courage to pursue truth. Because particularly if you understand that there is absolute truth, eternal truth given to us by God, it will not be popular. But a person of courage is a person who is obsessed with the truth. I'll say this finally. A person of courage is someone who inspires others. Does your life inspire others to action? In the life of Shama, as he defended that field, uh, we see that the story continues that others were inspired to action as they observed what he did. I love the story of King David. David comes onto the scene as a young man. You're familiar with this story, whether you've ever been to church or not. David killed Goliath. He was a teenager who killed a giant that the army of Israel didn't want to deal with. Ran down a hill with a sling, some rocks, killed a giant, and cut his head off. Meanwhile, the army of the Israelites was hiding, watching this all unfold. And when David, that young man, on his own, acted courageously and killed the giant, you know what happened? The rest of the army came out of hiding and pursued the enemy. His courage inspired others. That's how courage works. Courage inspires others. Billy Graham said, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. What a great quote. Courage inspires others. It inspires others because it's so rare. It motivates people to do what they may not do on their own, although seeing the example, they now have the leader that they need to follow, the example that they should follow, and they're able to act courageously as well. Being a person of valor is not easy. It's not easy. But in life, I ask you, what is the alternative? I'm sure you've heard this. It's called The Man in the Arena. It was written by Theodore Roosevelt. I love it. Theodore Roosevelt said this, It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That's Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena. What a great, great statement. In order to move forward when your world is falling apart, you need courage. Courage is so rare in our world. It's so misunderstood. 
But courageous people, they, they know the definition of courage. They know it means they may have to stand alone in spite of the consequences for something bigger than themselves. They're following uh, the right model, other courageous people who have gone before them. They elevate the truth. They're obsessed with the truth. And the way they live inspires others. What about you? Are you a person of courage? You can be. (laughs) Courage is not reserved for a select few. Courage is simply an individual like you and me looking at the battle around us and saying this, I'm going to march when it would be easier to simply stay here and die. Thankfully, and I say this every week, the choice to march, to be courageous, or to pull back and say, I just can't do it anymore, that choice is always yours. Thank you. Talk to you next week. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.